And joining me in the studio, as they do most Wednesdays, our political uh, observers from uh, slightly to the left and slightly to the right of slightly to wherever I am, uh, Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz. Welcome, gentlemen. Morning. Morning, Jim. Uh, I guess first off, obviously, in the aftermath of one of the larger political events in our uh, municipal uh, life, our municipal experience, the election on Monday, uh, your thoughts. Jeffrey, uh, any surprises, any comments you'd like to make, any prognostications for the future? Well, I think that uh, going into it, I had no idea what to expect as far as uh, whether there would be much change or not, and uh, there, there was some change, although um, I guess what there were two incumbents, I think, who were voted out, um, so not a huge amount in that sense. Uh, with the opening up of the wards, I guess, and people choosing not to run again, uh, we have some new candidates, although that usually happens. So I, I don't know that that much has changed. I, I was interested to read... Um, was it Andy Sancton who, who suggested that he thought that the new council would be less polarized than the old one? And, and, and when I look at some of the personalities of the people who have been elected, I, I, I would be pretty surprised if that's the case. I'm with you on that one. I don't know where, what, what window he was looking out when he made that guess. Yeah, so I think it's going to get colorful again, actually. It's been kind of quiet for the last uh, two or three years. Uh, for whatever reason, um, you know, we just haven't had the kind of people screaming at each other publicly, at least, uh, that we had had. Well, before. I think, but I'm glad you had publicly, because privately there has been. There have been a couple of issues that they've really gone at each other, but they've okay. been uh, surrounding in-camera sessions, and uh, the public has not been privy to much of that. But some of it's gone on. But publicly, yes, they've not been carving each other up. In the way no, having said that, I, I have never seen the problem with that, personally. I know that uh, Anne-Marie had talked about one time about how, well, you know, we have to pull together as a team and all that stuff, and I've never understood that with with that government in the sense that in any level of government, I thought there was supposed to be an opposition, and it's formalized uh, at provincial and federal level, but that uh, you would naturally normally have a majority and a minority, and the minority are usually going to disagree with what the majority are doing and are going to say so, and there's going to be acrimony, and that's just all part of the game. Uh, so I have never really understood why there should be any pressure on anybody to vote with the team. To me, you're elected to vote the way you think your constituents want you to vote, and inevitably, you're going to disagree about things. Having said that, I've always thought you take the vote and then you move on. You go have a beer. Mm -hmm. Ideally, you've got collegiality sufficient mm -hmm. that you can do that. But when you're debating issues, I would think that you'd be at it hot and heavy and you're just not going to agree on, on most issues. Bob, any surprises for you? Any thoughts for the future? Um, well, I remember the first time we even brought up uh, when Joe Fontana dropped out of uh, federal politics and the possibility of his running for mayor came up and I said... I. I think it's going to be a tough haul because the power of an incumbent is hard to overcome. And surely that came out just as I would have expected. Um, I think, imagine London's uh, reapportionment of the ridings has produced all of the effect it will ever have. Well, uh, but they, they're very clear to make uh, the case that they didn't reapportion anything. Well, no, yeah, I, I remember getting a vote on it. Oh, yeah, when did we vote on that? <laughs> Because of this wonderfully democratic group that believes in democracy and wants to do away with the board of control so we can't vote for the board of control, <laughs> etc., etc. Anyways, um, so there were a few, to me, surprises. The biggest one was Ab Chabar not getting back in. Mm -hmm. uh, he would have been a shoo-in in, in the old system, because he wasn't that far behind the first one. Um, Steve Orser got in. Um, Steve, I have mixed feelings about, mm -hmm. uh, but I know he worked for it. Mm -hmm. He's been working hard yes, for indeed. it. Um, Nancy Branscombe got in, um, another person who's been working at it for quite a long time. Um, that's about the biggest, quote, I can't call them surprises, but, you know, the changes that you might expect, uh, particularly since there were a couple of 
wards as well that were open for new people. What do you make of Gina Barber finishing almost high enough to become the deputy mayor? Well, is, it, is my understanding correct that she believes in abolishing yes, board that was, control? Yes, that was one of her key elements of uh, the campaign. I think it's outrageous to run for the body that you want to abolish, since that's not the place you can abolish it. Mm-hmm. The Board of Control's authority does not come from itself. Mm-hmm. You have to be in another place to do that, so she's not even in the right place. Um, you know, all this talk about abolishing the Board of Control, almost all the mayoralty candidates were in favor of it. I don't know if they all had the same understanding of it. Some of them clearly thought that it meant getting rid of that body entirely, mm-hmm. and uh, which might have a merit to it. But clearly most of them don't realize that the boards of controls that were abolished in other municipalities were just replaced by another board of control called some various councils, yes. appointed, still paid. There's no money saving. All they have effectively done is taken away uh, the citizens' right to vote for that body and handed it over to the councillors. And if that's what you want, I mean, let's vote on that and let's be clear that that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Or if you're going to abolish it, let's be clear there isn't going to be a committee overseeing uh, the city spending so that it can just go on haphazardly <laughs> and we can all lose our homes together. <laughs> <laughs> we can all live in Jeff's yeah. tent city at Harris sure, Park. That's, yes. nice. that's a nice day for it. Yeah, it is a nice day today. <laughs> uh, if we look at the mayor's race, and maybe not so much the race, but um, my observation of that was there was an awful lot of talk about policy on the on the part of Mr. Fontana very little talk about policy on the part of the, of the mayor. And uh, I got a sense very early on from what people were telling me, and this is, was not news to me because I believe this is the case in most, in most elections, most municipal elections, that they weren't interested in policy. That, that the average guy really, what he's interested in is convince me why I should like you. Why, because if I like you, I will vote for you. So make me like you and I'm not going to like you because you come up with snappy slogans or promises that I don't believe anyway do you think uh, Jeff is there any merit to to that observation because I, I mean I'll tell you I believe very strongly that that's the case that you want to win an election a mayoralty election in a city like London you better make sure that the people like you because they vote for the people they like well I think that's true generally look at Mel Lastman uh I think that uh, uh, Mike Bradley in Sarnia, for instance, is very much driven by personality. And partly I think that whether people are conscious of it or not, I think it's a reflection that at least formally the mayor is, you know, one vote on council, that that informally the mayor has a lot of control about, uh, you know, which meetings are held and who speaks and who doesn't and all that kind of stuff. But uh, but formally, again, it's not like she leads a party or a voting faction. I was listening last week to uh, something about the Vancouver City Council, which apparently is quite a bit smaller than ours, mm-hmm. interestingly, um, but that there's the NDP faction. They, they do run with party affiliations and that the NDP have like a... F- five to four uh, majority on that council apparently right now so that they're simply voting as a block on everything. Uh, the mayor in London obviously can't do that. Um, she, you know, she can't uh, require, okay, you people are with me, so mm-hmm. we vote as a block. She's got to sell every th- idea that she wants to get through just like everybody else does. So in that sense, it may make sense that the public are interested in personality. Having said that, I've always said that uh, with people like Mel, it's not so much that people have soberly sat back and thought, my, there seems like a very wise, uh, profound fellow. It's like, that guy's funny. He's going to entertain us for the next uh, X years. He's going to say the most outrageous things, and we're going to open up the paper and go, oh, what's Mel done now? But he also he also rode the city 
through a wave of prosperity, not 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 some of which was generated by his policies. Well, maybe. I mean, I don't, I don't think know. last month. I, I don't look at Mel as being a clown, a funny guy. Yeah, I kept him laughing. Yeah, but also articulated a vision of his city that the people resonated. Well, and with. in some respects, that's that's easier to do if you take the the simple approach, which I think that 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 he did uh, very effectively. Uh, Mike Harris certainly did that. They do articulate a clear vision, and it's a straightforward vision that people can can see. Mel was uh, was the rightish guy, I guess you would say. Um, so you know that that may be that uh, that people by by voting for him they kind of knew what they were getting uh, and were into that. But but again uh, to say that that he achieved that personally, I, I really think that the mayors just don't have that much control. Maybe that council did that. Maybe at that time they had the Norm Gardeners and so on who were able to get the votes to do the things they wanted to do. But uh, as a mayor, again, you you don't snap your fingers like a prime minister and have people fall in line. Very good point. We're going to pause for a second because they're snapping fingers at me from the control room. We'll be back with more on the news hour, left, right, and center, right after this. Left, right, and center, Slammer match. Jim Chapman here. Uh, uh, Bob, I think you were up next, weren't you? Yeah, you were talking about... your observation that it's important for a candidate to be liked. Yeah, well, that they have to, if you want to win, you have to build that like factor. You can't live without it. I I think that's an absolutely astute observation. I think it's so true. I think so much of what um, affects the voting part of politics is not policy at all. Most people do not know the policies of the parties that they overwhelmingly support. Uh, You couldn't ask them for two policies their party has. They would not know. Um, So they have nothing else to go on but character. Um, you know, Joe Fontana uh, went on a sort of a policy platform, but he, he was running his municipal campaign a little bit too much like a federal campaign, and I think that just didn't connect with the issues that the voters were looking for on that level. Um, I know from personal experience, uh, uh, you want to see a mayor who's liked as Hazel McCallion. Mm-hmm. And it's hard not to like the lady. I've, I've been in opposition with her. We, we, we were in a BIA conflict in Mississauga in the 80s, and, uh, and I met her again just about oh, three, four years ago when I was doing a cable cast in uh, Mississauga. And she was on before me, and you just can't help like the lady, whether you're on the opposite side or the same side, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's, that's an asset in, in especially local politics. Um, I don't think you have to be totally like to get elected, but you certainly can't be disliked. Yeah. Well, it's hard, too, if you're running as the opponent in the sense that uh, I think of Joe Fontana. Well, he's a likable guy, you know, but he had to campaign uh, in a negative way, saying things aren't okay, you know, that this woman's not okay. Well, I, 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 I take issue with what said. I don't think he had to do that. He chose to do that. Yeah, I think well, there were other ways to run, but he chose to perhaps, run that way. But that's right. That the, the, what we saw was Joe being critical. and that Which is a federal... But again, if, if what you're trying to do is to convince the electorate that you're the likable person and you're always saying these kind of critical things, you know, yeah. London's fallen off the map, you know, the mayor's lost focus, blah, 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 blah. It's like, my, that guy doesn't seem very agreeable. Well, yeah. By the way, I have to speak to the uh, to the three alternate mayoralty candidates that were there. You know, I, I, I didn't see all the debates, but I did see the one at the uh, the one that was on Cablecast, which mm-hmm. was at the convention, convention center, center somewhere. Yeah. Um, I thought, especially Arthur Mayer, he knew his stuff. Yes, he did. And even where Joe and um, Anne Marie were agreeing, he, he devastated their ideas and plans by by illustrating how they didn't work well in other communities. But you know, tried them. he's a good illustration. Arthur is a good illustration of some of the prerequisites to get elected in this country too. I was impressed. Everybody was impressed. I think with Arthur. Yes. Um, with his positions and so on. Mm-hmm. But Arthur is a very laid back diffident speaker, um, 
no passion at all when he talks. Very thoughtful, you know, stops mm-hmm. and thinks about mm-hmm. his next sentence and so on, uh, which I certainly would not, I can't slam somebody for that. But when you, you say Stephen Harper is a little like that? Uh, no, I don't no. think so. No, I <laughs> think, no, I think Harper is vastly more outgoing. And as I sat and watched, well, learned to be. because I, I, I saw a number of the, of the debates and moderated, not moderated, but was on a panel for one of them, the mayor's debates. Um, as I watched these people, I thought if this guy had Anne Marie's delivery, It'd be Anne Marie and Arthur, not Anne Marie and Joe, who'd be fighting for the mm-hmm. for the uh, to to win this thing. But I think it comes back again. Likeability, to come back to my premise, likeability is also about communicability. If you watch Arthur, he did not communicate very well, and I think that cut him off from a lot of potential support. So uh, I, I tie that back into my premise that that you've got to be liked more than the next guy. They don't have to love you. You only have to be sure. have to be liked a fraction more than your opponent, and you're in. That's all it takes. Hmm. Well, it's the same as kindergarten. <laughs> you know, the, the popular kids are the yeah. ones that you like and you're yeah. going to support. Yeah. You know, I look at uh, Tom Gosnell, for instance. I believe that he was the uh, the handsome quarterback of the Oak Ridge football team mm-hmm. and so on. The you know the the cool kid in class. Yeah. So we we, we haven't changed. Yeah. <laughs> Let's change our focus then from uh, the city politics to London North Centre. Of course, this is the big uh, political story and will be for the next two weeks. An interesting race up there. Um, the media. <laughs> the media. Yeah. I've said before on the program, you can't say the media because there's no such thing. There are members of the media, and they're as, as, as varied in this community as you're going to find in, in anywhere. But some members of the of the of the uh, media have pushed the issue to start with of parachute candidates. Uh, none of the candidates, with one possible exception, and I'm not sure about this independent candidate, whether he's uh, is he from London? Do you know Robert Eady? Sure. Is he from London? In any case, uh, for the, all practical purposes, all the major candidates uh, uh, do not live in the riding or didn't live in the riding. I guess, I guess Diane does now. She's rented an apartment there. Um, and the media has made a big deal out of that. Does that matter? I mean, in a, in a political sense? No, and especially not in a by-election. Because by-elections are those key points of opportunity for political parties. And uh, independents, I don't really think, have a chance or can play in them. Uh, unless they have a truly high profile earned from some other, yeah. <laughs> uh, having been elected or a big business position. But um, I think it's natural, and you see it constantly. Um, if you saw federally, you saw uh, federal party leaders running in Vancouver who lived in Toronto, uh, you know, that kind of thing, for by-elections. Yeah. Um, and it's certainly an opportunity for, um, say, a newly elected leader of a party to get a seat, where if he, if he didn't get one when he was elected leader, that yeah. kind of thing. So uh, by election, you almost have to deal with parachute candidates. You're lucky if you have one that's already there, ready to go, living in that riding. Does it make any difference, do you think, to the kind of service that the people in the riding are likely to get? Well, I've never once in my life ever called an MP or an MPP for any sort of, quote, service. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know what people think they're getting. They, they want social services. I mean, it's the big issues, you know, health care, education, things like that. But um, I think the machinery operates itself almost. It's, I don't know how important. What's important is what legislation is passed in the House, mm-hmm. and that's what you want to know in advance. I think um, what's happened in London North Centre is, is an explicit attempt, particularly by Megan Walker, to avoid issues and get, you know, and smear, which is her which is her tactic. She did the same thing to me on CJBK. Mm-hmm. She was forced to read a 20-minute apology on the air to me last summer for doing the same kind of nonsense. She doesn't think, she doesn't care.
care about facts. She, she'll total defiance of facts. She'll just come out and say things. She attributes things to one person that somebody else did and speaks before <laughs> she should, you know. Not kind of person I'd want so to have represent me. So you're speaking from personal. I want to make it clear. You're oh. speaking from personal experience here. And very public. It happened yeah. on CJBK, and it was kind of obvious. And uh, I mean, she just went out of her way to attack me personally when I wasn't even on the air. And I happened to catch it all on tape, and I sent it back to the station. I could have sued them. Mm-hmm. I mean, and she she opens herself up to that kind of thing. And I don't think it's uh, it's gutter politics what she's doing. She's she, she started the campaign by accusing Haskett of being anti. What anti-gay and anti-female and just about anti-anything that she's in and, favor and pro of. pro-George Bush. And then this outrageously meaningless attack right now that she that she did on uh, Pearson. I'm not a big fan of Pearson, mm-hmm. but uh, here again, that, that meaningless stuff, you know, attacking what I thought were all quite innocuous comments and probably done in humor. I've said many worse things than that about uh, some of the realities out there. People just, you know... In a way, we're, London North Center is a microcosm of people getting caught up in their own BS, all the political correctness, and it, you just love watching them get hoisted uh, by their own petards because they're they're apologizing for things they don't need to apologize for. Uh, you know, if I had said those things and sh- and Megan came after me, I'd be on her tail right away, and she'd be on the defensive, not everybody else running. Jeff, scared. I know you want to respond. Hold that for a second, because sure. we'll be right back. Jeff Schlemmer will have his say on left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. Are we back? Are we already? Gosh, we were having such fun talking away here. <laughs> Jeffrey, uh, you were up next. You had something you wanted to say. Oh, I don't I know what's in response to Bob, but you want to say No, it. well, uh, just to go back from it, you were asking about uh, whether whether locality matters in uh, in uh, by-elections, and I, and I agree with Bob that it that it doesn't from the standpoint of the system. And, uh, for instance, we saw John Tory uh get elected in, I think it's Caledon that he's a member mm-hmm. for right now, and usually the promise is that they'll run uh, where they live in the next election. Yeah. So I think that's all fair game, but it, but it also struck me in the back of my mind that we were just talking about with municipal elections, it's about personality and so on, and I'm thinking, you know, within the space of two weeks in London North Centre, people kind of have to switch their brains from municipal to um, federal, and and do most people differentiate? And, and I don't know that a lot of people would think that hard about it, and, and think, well, this was municipal election, so I'm interested in personality. This is a federal one, so I'm interested in, you know, broad issues or whatever. But I don't think it's issues, Jeff. I think the difference between the two is that at the federal election, there will be a lot of people who are going to vote, vote liberal, conservative, or NDP, yes. and they really don't care who the candidate is. I shouldn't say they don't care at all, but the candidate is less important or not any more important than the party loyalty, and you don't have that municipally. Although it's the swing vote that carries the day in, in that situation, right? You've got your, your base of liberal, your base of NDP, and your base of conservative, and it's the swing ones who decide going this way or that that will normally cause the election to happen, albeit that you're right, that the folks may be aware of federal issues more, and they maybe have an opinion about the prime minister and so on. Mm-hmm. So those factors all play into it. But uh, I'm just wondering, as, as we're sitting back saying, well, we kind of follow politics, and of course it would, you know, it would be unfair to criticize someone for running in a riding that they don't live in, but I'm, I'm not so sure the average voter would necessarily see it that way. I, I suspect they see it as a factor of one of many that mm-hmm. may or may not matter. But if they see somebody who is very well known or somebody who's very well respected coming to run in their riding from somewhere, else, that's probably a bigger factor. Uh, if it's an unknown, somebody they just have no opinion about one way or another, all things being equal, they probably would rather have somebody who, who they feel lives in the riding. But then it raises this question of, what does it mean to work for your riding? And I've always been a bit uncomfortable with politicians who say, well, I've brought so many mil- bil- millions of tax dollars into this riding for you. And I've always thought, well, you know, so you got a prison built here or, or whatever it is, a federal institution. 
I would rather think that the, that the bureaucrats would build it where it's cheapest to build it or where it needs to be. And it's one thing to say that an MP helped somebody because they were running into a roadblock with a, a bureaucrat about getting their passport or something. Those are legitimate MP functions, I would say. But I've always felt pretty uncomfortable with the idea of an MP saying, it's my job to get federal tax dollars into this geographic riding. Yeah, I'm your local pork specialist. Well, I know, exactly. Yeah. We'll be back in just a second with more on the program. Stay with us. I want to ask my guests, uh, Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz, about uh, the liberal leadership. Um, this, it's getting very close now. In just another few weeks, they'll be making this election. All kinds of jockeying going on, all kinds of rumors flying that Ignatieff is uh, strong in the first ballot, but toast on the second. And Gerard Kennedy's going to come through. Young, what's his name? P- uh, Trudeau said that uh, Kennedy is most in touch with uh, Quebec, which I thought was interesting because he's the only one who's not bilingual, but I suppose. Uh, just just wheels within wheels within wheels. Just any thoughts about that at all? Either of you got any comments on I'll that? be glad to get it done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> I'm really un- unless you know unless Bob Ray, Ray had had won or wind, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I can't see the Liberals even being a factor, and he's just going to be an anomaly, really. Uh, right now, um, despite whatever polls may say, I think Harper's you know hol- holding the ball, so mm-hmm. to speak, and it's his to drop. <laughs> the argument that I keep not the argument the the comment that I keep hearing from the pundits and and the p- the backroom people too is that Ray has a lot of resonance with the Liberal Party and in fact as a candidate without his NDP baggage might be a you know a very very attractive uh, leader for the Liberals across the country but that the Conservatives are going to savage him on his NDP record and, and there's no way he can get around that do you think well, he can move beyond that he's been doing a lot to apologize for that record he keeps you know saying I've changed I'm not the same guy I'm you know I'm a different person mm-hmm. And uh, I know that, you know, it's sort of like almost a Catholic thing, you know, confession. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it resonates with liberals, you know. It's good for the soul, I don't know if it's good for the poll or not. Sure. Uh, well, you know, people tend to like that kind of thing. Uh, whether it will redeem him or not remains to be seen. Again, I think it comes back to what you said earlier. Will the people like him? Mm-hmm. Will he uh, project that likable... Um, attitude. Well, I mean, he he's got to do the Bill Clinton thing, which he can do too. You know, play the piano. He play wasn't likable <laughs> as the as the Premier of Ontario because he play, You know, he was. Uh, I I think it overwhelmed. In fact, he said in his book it overwhelmed him. But I think he has a lot of Clinton esque mm. potential. Yeah. 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 Gather around the piano, folks. Let's have some fun. Sure. And well, uh, that, that, that if, if he gets elected, discounted. if he gets elected, then he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. That's my official uh, Liberal Party position. Mm-hmm. Until then, <laughs> I really worry about getting elected in Ontario with him as our leader. <laughs> What about Gerard Kennedy uh, being uh, the young Trudeau uh, blessing him? Although Trudeau's not that popular in Quebec either. Well, I like Gerard too. He's you know he represents the the left of the party, and uh, he is also somebody who is kind of self-made. He, he opened the food bank in Toronto and never took a, gov- a government dollar for the thing from the start. Uh, and he does have the old connections. His dad was a Liberal MP. Like he's he's uniquely situated, and he's the same age as Stephen Harper. To me, the danger of the other guys in our thing is that they're all at least a decade older than Stephen Harper, and we're trying to pose ourselves as the, the new better alternative um, one th- another thing about Candy I guess is that I think that he's a lot less tainted by the federal s- scandals and all that kind of stuff mm. um, so I, I would I would be thrilled if he if he was our man but if he's not I'll be there for whoever is. Can you win a national election with a unilingual camp, uh, uh, candidate? Well, he's also a smart guy, and I, I recall not that long ago that Stephen Harper was madly taking French lessons, and uh, within the last year or two, John Tory was spending time in France getting his French down, so that that can be fixed. How tough can it be, bonjour, monsieur? I mean, how hard is it? <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you both. Always a pleasure to have you here. Thanks, uh, Thanks. Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer with us today in the program. Thank you for being part of the show, too. Make sure you join us tomorrow at 11. If you've enjoyed this presentation, 
Visit justrightmedia.org for more programming that's not right-wing, it's just right.